Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler, the bearded Chris Marler. Um, a little late on that drink club. <laughs> You'll I start. Don't Rivera. start because I'm already already feeling it today. I can I can tell. Week eight is in the books. Week eight will forever be known as the day that Ohio State died. Do you believe in rock and roll? No. That's a good song. That's, That's a good from song. that episode of The Office of the Lady in the Chair. Oh, I know. Uh, chair lady. But the good thing is that for Urban Meyer, he's probably not going to remember last night. No, there's no chance. So good Thoughts for him. Uh, heart. Yeah, Ohio State is still undefeated in, in Urban's book. He will totally just erase that from his memory. We had all favorites win in the SEC yesterday, which was, I think that's the first time this this year that that's happened, maybe. Since 1972. Uh, don't check me on that. Since 1972. Yeah, that's not believable at all. Uh, We will talk about that. We will, of course, talk about all things Mississippi State, LSU, Bama, Tennessee. We're going to get into some uh, looking ahead to some week nine stuff, of course, with the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. But before we do, I know I apparently I can't say it. It's Sunday morning. You're not allowed to say that, I don't think. Oh, well, I don't really care. Okay. Um, <laughs> before we get into that, got to talk to you guys about our friends at Ticket City. SDS is excited to be partnering with Ticket City once again. You know it. We are partnering with them for all their ticket needs. Our relationship with them goes back several years as they continue to be a leader in the ticket space, especially for college football fans. Getting tickets for college football games could not be easier when using Ticket City, and they have the best prices. All you're going to do, you're going to use that promo code that we give every single pod, CMBF10. That's CMBF10. You're going to get 10% off your tickets now, whether it's for this upcoming Saturday or for later in the season. Get your tickets now on Ticket City. The hot ticket in a couple weeks is going to be Bama and LSU. That much we know. Tickets for that are already through the roof. But the headliner that we saw from LSU on Saturday night Another week, another ranked team comes in to Baton Rouge and can't hang with the Tigers. LSU gets its fourth win against a top 25 team. That's the most in FBS. And by the way, the third win against a ranked team by at least 16 points. Convincing performance from LSU. Mississippi State's offense had no chance to move the ball. Yeah, I so this game was, I watched most of this entire game. I got really heated at one point because I made a comment very innocent comment on Twitter about how I was like, man, LSU's defense is nasty. Because, first off, Devin's, Devin White's arms are incredible. I don't care how that sounds. His biceps, and it, I, it's unreal. I, like, I can't imagine anyone being able to break a tackle from him. That's a good first thought on this game. Yeah, that's all I was talking about. Let me tell arms. you about this linebacker's biceps. <laughs> <laughs> Body composition. No, so, like, watching this game... I made a comment. I was like, "Man, this defense is nasty." And then, of course, I got I got like clapped back at by Mississippi State fans. Like, "Oh yeah, it's totally how great their defense is, not how bad our offense was." Almost like you didn't even watch the game. And you're just like looking at the stats. And I honestly hadn't even seen the stats. That made it even worse. This this defense is so legit. And we joke around about, or at least I do, and not always joking about how bad at passing the football Nick Fitzgerald is, which isn't great. Like, you know, if if I talked in like a very high-pitched, squealy voice, I w- this wouldn't be a good job for me. If you're bad at throwing the football, quarterback is not a great job for you. And yesterday, going 6 of 20 with three interceptions, I mean, he had half as many completions. Oh, no, no, no. It was worse than that. It, it got was worse? worse than that. It was, it was 8 of 24 for 59 yards and four interceptions. By the way, Grant Delpit, we talk about how great the LSU defense yeah. is. 
He is a midseason All-American. He is on pace to be a first-team All-American at season's end. He had he caught more passes from Nick Fitzgerald than any Mississippi State receiver because he had two interceptions in this oh, game. So, also, okay, yeah. team high ten tackles. You know, he had a fourth down sack. Fitzgerald. He was stuffing the stat sheet. I mean, it was it was painful how bad this right. Mississippi State passing offense was against an LSU is. defense that was loading the box and still just did not care. It was it barely had anybody in coverage, and it was pretty much saying. There's no way that you're going to throw the ball against us. You're not. You're not good enough to do that. Right. And we we just we're we're going to dominate you no matter what. And you know, I get it. And like, if I'm a Mississippi State fan, I'm. It's hard to be like cautiously optimistic of like, well, you know what? We have Joe Moorhead, and this is the first year. And you've you've highlighted all of his struggles he had the first year at Penn State, and you know, like the growth they have in the second year, and all that stuff. And that's great. And that I don't, you know, I don't think that won't happen. And I think Keaton Thompson. Looked great in his, like, you know, one game as a starter, uh, having seven touchdowns. I'm not saying the future's not bright, but this is a problem. And LSU's a great defense, but, yeah, this offense is really bad. And it's... Should should Joe Moorhead have benched Nick Fitzgerald for Keaton Thompson in this game? Yes. Yes. Early. And going forward, should Keaton Thompson be the guy? I mean, See, are we at that, that point? See, that is tough for me to say because in this instance, you're playing against... Like, against Ole Miss, Nick Fitzgerald will light them up. Ole Miss's defense is terrible. But yeah. when you're talking about a game where you're coming off, you you came off a bye week. You took two weeks to figure out how to score three points. When you're playing against a defense like this, and you obviously need a spark, and and when you run this offense, and it's like, okay, when we run out of this offense with Nick Fitzgerald, we have to run the football. He is going to be the main highlight of this offense where he's going to be running the football. That's not going to get it done enough to beat this team. If you need a spark, you're trying to win a football game. So, yeah, he and- should have been benched at any point. And here's the problem with with this game because you could look at this and you could say, well, I, and this isn't to take all the blame off of Joe Moorhead. He has not been able to figure out ways to move the ball down the field right. in the passing game, and part of that comes back to him. The problem I have with it is you have situations like Grant Elpit coming in completely unblocked on fourth down, and Nick Fitzgerald can't realize that he needed to shift the protection, and that's a key situation that you're a senior quarterback. You've got to right. be able to recognize when that guy is sitting there at the line of scrimmage, and you're not going to have anyone on the him. mic. That guy that's uh, that's drooling at the mouth and seems really angry right over our left tackle. That guy might be blitzing. Somebody check that out. I don't know if that's the pre-call snap read or whatever. What do you want to say? Or pre-snap read, but that's it's got to be close. And then there was the, his third interception of the game, which which came in the fourth quarter. When he throws that, he's got a wide open receiver going to the corner of the end zone. All he has to do is lead him. And Greg McElroy made the great point. Not only did he not lead him, but he threw the ball a second too late. And instead of an open receiver, he gets an LSU defensive back to come in and undercut the route, and it's an interception. And it's just like these That's are mistakes right after that Devin White gets taken out of the game. Right. It's oh right yeah, after yeah. He gets yeah. Ejected, you have some sign of life, and you're like, okay, so. Their best player, which is weird to say because there are so many of them that are so good on that defense, he's out of the game. You have some, you're, you, you've at least moved the ball 15 yards forward because of a penalty, and then you do that. Yeah, it was it was ugly. The the questions moving forward about whether or not Keaton Thompson is is going to be the guy. Those are going to be there in Starkville. That much we know. Joe Moore had kind of brushed it off. There's a pride factor at stake here, and let's not forget that. I remember asking Nick Fitzgerald about this in, at SEC Media Days and him saying his answer to my question was the story about Joe Moorhead making him save a spot on his mantle for his Heisman Trophy and how that's what Joe Moorhead texted him when he first got the job. And obviously that got cold-taked pretty hard on Saturday yeah, as night. Yeah, it should have. Big time. Um, 
so there is a certain pride factor at stake. When you come in as an offensive mind and you're trying to prove yourself, you don't want to just say, hey, I couldn't figure out this quarterback. I need to go to my next guy. We talked about that with Dan Mullen early on with Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks is obviously developed, but there is definitely a pride factor with that in trying to get the most out of a quarterback, especially when you have all these high preseason expectations. I don't know what's going to happen with this going forward because Keaton Thompson is by all means the future. He's still not an accurate quarterback. Let's no, not, not forget that, but he's more accurate than Nick Fitzgerald, well, and, and I think that that's at least worth considering. To speak to, uh, to like your point, too, one, how good of a journalist are you? You got that quote out of out of, out of of Nick Fitzgerald, and you're the one that got the quote out of the whole uh, Urban Meyer debacle, or was it was it Harbaugh debacle at Big Ten Media Days? I got the Harbaugh yeah. quote about the playoff God, and how he wants 16 teams. You. Anyway. Hey, man. So, Pat on the back. There you go. But, so, but, like, the Nick Fitzgerald thing, like to speak to your point, yeah, there's a pride factor involved. Also, when it's like, holy blank, like how do I not get this done with a guy that's like we we've overlooked his his like I guess what's the word I'm looking for? Ineptitude in the past. Yes, game? that's that's the best way to put it. I was gonna say inferiorities, but I'm glad I could, could barely get that out of my my thought process. <laughs> his inferior. Anyway, so look, we've overlooked that. Like I didn't know until this year. It's like, oh man. This guy's never completed more than 56% of his passes. Probably should have done my due diligence and some homework on that. But still, like, we've been able to overlook all these shortcomings he's had in his game because of how prolific he has been, it, it, not just for Mississippi State, because it's not like a, even just like a Dak Prescott thing. Like, yeah, he's the greatest quarterback in Mississippi State. This is the greatest rushing quarterback over guys like Tim Tebow in the history of the SEC. How can you not have success with this? But it's, it's crazy to me that, like, you had a guy on your bench, like, and I get Fitzgerald is a hell of a quarterback, and he's a senior, and all that kind of stuff, and he's been there, and I'm sure he's had ups and downs. But you've got a guy on your bench that you gave limited starting, like, you gave limited, like, snaps to. You gave one starting job because you benched Nick Fitzgerald, and what does he do? He goes off and scores seven touchdowns. Do you remember ten years ago when Tebow scored seven touchdowns against South Carolina? I was like, well, that's what got him the Heisman. You've got a guy. Yeah, but it's an FCS team. Totally on, get let's, it. Let's... But like, you have a guy on your bench. It's like, whoa, seven touchdowns. That's that's a, that's really well, he, good. He had the Louis, he had the tax layer bowl too. Let's let's not forget sure. that the Keaton Thompson also balled true. out, beat Lamar Jackson in the tax layer bowl last year. People might forget that, but yeah, that's obviously going to be a topic of discussion moving forward. The, Why we do you not sort play of buried. Well, I mean, there's like I said, there's the pride factor. There's wanting to show that the guy that you said you were going to win a Heisman Trophy for, you want to yeah. don't just bail on him in the middle of the season. Obviously, that's a different discussion now, but. The, we, we buried the lead on this because the, the thing that LSU fans are talking about, the bitter, the most bittersweet result of Bitter, this game yeah. that was was having the the, the Devin White, I, I put it in air quotes, hit on Nick That's Fitzgerald that resulted in a targeting penalty, which got him ejected from the game. It was basically Mississippi State's offense, biggest play of the yeah. game. Got him ejected from the game, and then also that means he is sitting out two weeks from now for the first half against Alabama. It is a a crazy rule that, of course, Twitter blew up about. I was I nobody wants to see that. Even Alabama. I mean, as much as it benefits Alabama I mean, to not have LSU's best defensive player out there, and I see a smile on your face as I say that, it's a horrible, horrible rule that we're, we're going to discuss for the next two weeks because the SEC we assume is going to be able to to kind of weigh in on this. Yeah. But I don't think they will, actually. So, so I, I don't know if, if anything's going to change. I mean, you're right. It's a horrible rule. He, I, something that blatant and shameful and unsportsmanlike from him, he should have been suspended for the whole game against Bama. And I can't believe that he's a senior. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's yeah. what I'm smiling about. Like, <laughs> no, like, as soon as it happened, I flipped out. And, and you know, I'm sitting there next to my fiance, and she's, she's like, 
what happened now, Chris? And we're in our 11th hour of football. <laughs> what are you outraged about now? I'm like, this is the best player, again, which is crazy to say because their defense is so loaded. It's, like, that sucks. Like, that sucks. And, like, you know, I I want Alabama to win their games. I'm an Alabama fan. You guys know that, too, like, to a fault. But, like, I you want it to be done the right way. And this is not just about, like, the Bama LSU game. This is, like, in general. Like, how do you take that away from a kid like this after all the years he's been in this, like, he is the leader of that defense. You rewatch it, and you're like, hold on a second. And I, I hate to do the apples and oranges and compare hits, like, throughout the day. And, like, there's obviously worse hits that have happened. And this, I hope this doesn't turn into a whole thing about, like, well, Bama gets all the calls and blah, blah, blah. But this is so blatantly bad. And you have the ability to rewatch it. And how, at some point, did some, can I say a-hole? No, probably not. How did not, <laughs> how did any of those a-hole officials not look at this and be like, you know what, maybe, maybe we call a personal foul, but maybe we don't call him for targeting with four minutes to go in garbage time of this game that's already well in hand, so he doesn't have to sit out against the biggest game that happens next week. It Like, be be in the moment enough and, like, have, like, the, like the presence of mind to not... This was so, so exaggerated, and, and it, it got so much bigger than it should have ever been. And he never hit so him! Go- he never hit him! He, yeah, I mean, there was barely any contact above. I mean, it wasn't like he, you know, grabbed him by the face mask or something like no. that, which looks way worse. Governor of Louisiana, John Bell Edwards, tweeted his displeasure of the call and basically was like, what in the world is, is going on here? How could this possibly happen? When you got the governor getting involved, uh, it's probably a pretty big deal. The, the odd thing is that you have, um, with, with just like the basic nature of the call, and this is going to be discussed a lot in the next two weeks, is that you would think... They're obviously trying to send a message by doing the whole suspended for the first half of the next game thing. If you eject a kid from a game... That message sent. You, <laughs> you don't think that that's going to get through to a kid? Like, why do you need to suspend him for the first half of the next game? Well, I, I've and never that understood really that. a good point. It's like, there should be targeting one, targeting two. And, like, exactly. if you're able to... In the moment, I get it. Like, oh, man, because everything's happening very fast. So you slow things down for the officials. And you're like, all right, well, you know what? You can go back and look at it now. Why not during the week be like, you know what? We were wrong. This kid... Because being ejected is enough. But, like, suspended for the first half of the next game. DJ Swearinger would have never played a down in this conference. Like, he would have never played a down. Like, he would have played in the first quarter. He would have taken someone's head off, and everyone would be like, whoa! And then he would have never been able to play again. LSU is still loaded on defense, and they they get two weeks to, to prepare for this Alabama game that we are going to talk about. A lot. It's a huge game. It's going to be both teams are going to be ranked in the top four when they're playing. You got a you got a big big old grin on your I face right love, now. Like, I just love. I've always hated this game because it's miserable to watch, and it's it's so frustrating in terms of like, oh my god, like strap in, Chris. Here's three hours of misery. Like it because it, it's always a tight game. It's always uncomfortable. Like it's like you know the season's on the line, for the most part. If it feels like, but I, I'm smiling because of the fact that. In my mentions already on on Twitter, there's Delpit Gang Gang, who's like an LSU fan, said he's been talking trash this morning, and I said something about like hey, you know have a Snickers, and he's like you already know as soon as as you already know what happened as soon as that clock hit zero last night, and a couple yeah. of LSU fans, I love it, man. It's, it's this is gonna be such a great game, and I love the trash talk, and I, it's oh man, like and what an awesome awesome run that LSU's had, considering like what you said last night when I was talking trash to you, from where they started the season as to where they are now. 
Yeah, they're, uh, we're, we're going to get to later that they're ahead of that 6.5 win uh, over under. Um, yeah, the, the LSU secondary, in my opinion, is the best in the country. Getting to face yep. that Alabama passing game is going to be great. We saw the Alabama passing game ball out on Saturday against Tennessee. And obviously, it was just because intern Butch Jones was in the house. He gets to smoke <laughs> his victory cigar. Chris Lowe tweeted the picture after the game. He even... Intern Butch Jones posed with Tua for a picture. They talked about how great yeah. it was. He got the Gatorade bath. You and think everything. Tua like it signed awesome. it afterwards, like an autograph? And was like, oh, coach, sorry, yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it was you. That autograph for, from Tua is worth more than Intern Butch Jones' his entire 2018 salary. Well, K. not including the 200 grand that Tennessee yeah, is giving him every That month, was about, like our, our buddy Peter Burns tweeted that out, and he was like. This is this is a guy smoking a victory cigar in his old like his old office basically, yep. like at Neyland Stadium, from a place that is paying him two hundred thousand dollars a month. That's wow. That's so SEC. That's I so SEC. Um, so yeah, intern Butch Jones was the star of the show. Everybody was asking about him. They talked. It was kind of actually cool seeing like Bama players be like, "Yeah, we 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 really wanted to win this for him. We right. wanted to get him that victory cigar and all that stuff." Alabama, of course, has its six game of fifty plus points. The the play that got him to fifty points was a play that I'm sure you made you very nervous, along with every other Alabama fan, where Tua takes that shot yeah. on that last touchdown pass of the day. Kind of a last a tough last image for Alabama fans to have of him until that you know he comes on the field against LSU, but still, nonetheless. An unbelievable performance, as expected. Some of the throws that he was making. Throw he had a lot of crazy. Like, it's, I mean, oh, he, he's just, he's so good. And and so what's funny about that is I'm watching the game with my buddy Robbie Buffington. Shout out to Robbie. We watch a lot of the big games together. We've only lost one game watching together. And we're watching this game, and I said something about it. He's like, you, I mean, do you pull Tua? And I was like, no. Because, like, if he was in any danger, if he wasn't feeling up to par, Saban would have already pulled him by now. And then the next drive happens is where he gets hit. And the first thing we both yelled was, make sure two is up. Like, not even upset, <laughs> not even excited about the touchdown. Make sure two is up. And then you look down, I was like, oh, no. And, like, I thought Robbie was going to have a meltdown. And, you know, I, I think he's fine. I, like, I'm sure he's – I didn't understand the whole – comment from Desmond Howard about like his knees going to give out soon. That was a lot. That was a dumb comment. Was a lot that was say. a dumb comment to say on college game days. I understand it. I think I was I understood what he was trying to say and that you maybe you're just concerned that you don't yeah. want to overwork him and that if you get him in these situations where he's scrambling, there was the one play where he scrambled for a first down and it was very reminiscent of last week right. where he slides just past he slides just past the first down marker. So they called but, it first down this time. They called they yeah, they made the right call this time. But to assume that his knee is just going to give out, I don't really uh, yeah. buy the that. Belief. I mean, my That's... knees, yeah, sure. I don't, but like two, it seems like he's in better shape than me. I so just I will say bit. this, and and I will, and I want to turn the attention on Tennessee and the progress they made as as a team and a program this weekend. But I do want to say this one thing, and this will be a little bit of a gloat. But what was really cool for me, and this is this is a, this is one of those things where a lot of Bama fans hate Tennessee more than they hate Auburn. Like, I mean, yeah, sure, they've never burned down their trees or wildlife or anything like that. Fine. Too soon. Yeah, fair. Um, but they also hate – they. Like, I, this is the one, like, even, like, growing up, it's like, yeah, we lost at Auburn a couple years in a row, five years in a row, something like that. Like, that that didn't hurt as bad as, like, oh, man, seven straight years because it was never close. Like, it was – these games were never close against them. Like, Peyton Manning would just come out and just beat us like a drum. So, they showed a stat that the 21 points that Tennessee scored – was the most points they've scored on Alabama in 15 years. 
That is unbelievable. And they won by 37 points. It's, I don't like. I don't have to say it anymore because it's so stupid. It's and it, they're right. It's not fun anymore. It's not fun. It's, it's even as a fan. It's more. It was more fun when we had Mike Shula. And most of the time, so the championships are cool. But it was more fun with Mike Shula. Sometimes we'd be like, all right, are we gonna beat Arkansas today? Now, yeah, it sucked the joy out of all of football. But still, I still have a lot of joy in my heart. Move on. My favorite quote from this weekend was Jeremy Pruitt. Oh man. At halftime, this was relayed from uh, from the broadcast on CBS. He had a quote that I think Tennessee fans will put on a billboard yeah. somewhere. Uh, he said, apparently, this is according to uh, CBS, what he said in the locker room at halftime when Tennessee is getting blown out of the water. He said, I promise you I will recruit 25 other guys that will play the right way so we don't have to play in another game like this. Says that in the middle of the game. Dude, that's not even Doesn't the best, say that the in the best post quote. Game. The best quote to me was when he said he had, he had the presence of mind. And, and like this, this didn't come off in a bad way or I thought like in a – in a way to like laud Alabama, it was him. This guy has become one of the most candid interviews, and like I love it. Like I absolutely He's love so it. And honest. he says stuff. He says stuff that like fans need to hear, and like people I think need to hear. Like no, this is where we are. Let's not sugarcoat it. And like, like the whole thing. Like like Chad Morris, love him to death. Congrats on the win. But the whole thing. Like you can't furnish your own guts. I'll I'll trade that kind of crap in. That kind of like hokey whoa like you know get y'all get excited here we go we're gonna do this boys versus what he said when he's when what jeremy pruitt said but, oh, god dang it hold on now i'm gonna like flub it up but he said he said the thing about it, he goes we're not gonna be able to compete we're not gonna be able to catch up to them or slow them down until we get another recruiting cycle in it was like whoa that's maybe you don't want to hear that in the game but like Yes, let's do this, Jeremy Pruitt. Like I'm, a, I'm all in. Like I want to run through the brick wall, and that's the team that's like a rivalry for my team. I, I love it. Like I, I love it. That's how you have to approach this. Yeah. You can't approach this with the Butch Jones mentality. Butch Jones probably would have thrown out that stat about 21 points for the first time right. in 15 years. And that's a really good that, point, Connor. That just illustrated the the difference in perspective with Jeremy Pruitt and why he's so much easier to rally behind if yeah. you're if you're a Tennessee fan. And credit Tennessee because. This is a game where Jared Garantano goes down and he has a collarbone injury and he's out, you know, pretty much the he's out, I think he was out the entire second half. Keller Chris comes into this game. Keller Chris played well. I mean, yeah. those Tennessee receivers actually were fighting Juwan for extra Jennings yardage. Jawan Jennings had the one play where he just it took like six guys to take him down. I mean, Tennessee give the Vols credit for fighting yeah. in this game when they got punched in the mouth early, and we've seen so many teams that just decide, you know what, we can't stay on the field with them. And Tennessee you know what? They, they showed me a lot more in those, you know, 35, 40 minutes after they got yeah. just kicked in the teeth early than they have in, in many years past watching them try and struggle and under the show. And, so, and being able to cover the first half spread of more than six points scored. Thank you for that. And making sure that you did believe in yourselves, but not too much where you'd have a backdoor cover. That was, yeah, that was. I'll, you know what? I love Tennessee football right now. I'll be honest with you. Ooh, Rocky I thought I'd hear you say those words. Yeah, but yeah, we didn't Keller think... Chris looked good. He looked good. And God, Garantano, yeah, man. Garantano took a beating. When's the last again. time you've seen a quarterback consistently take like, I feel like it's every game. That kid's tough. Yeah, he, he is. is. He he's is. so tough. I say it I, I say it at nausea, but my goodness. That, that, that dude, yeah, I'll he tell you is what, uh, If you're Jeremy Pruitt, you got to say, like, don't tell me if I step in poop that it's, skill, it's, it's sour-flavored Skittles that I stepped in, okay? I think we'd all agree with that. i got to work on my sayings. We did not think that Tennessee was going to be a team that could beat Alabama. There was something, though, in this broadcast that just sort of, it stuck with me and it kind of bothered me. And it was Gary Danielson. I like Gary Danielson. I think he says a lot of really smart things. I know he takes a lot of flack from SEC fans. He says on balance. 
Yeah, he does say that. It's an unbalanced well, line. Just say unbalanced. Come on. The thing that he said was that he thought in the middle of this game, he said there are four or five teams that can beat Alabama. And I could not believe that he said that because I think the point he was trying to make was that he thinks that there are four to five teams that on their best day could maybe take advantage of Alabama not being on its best day. Because in terms of upside, it's it's not even close. Alabama's upside trounces everybody in the country. that Say it again? They play their best game against each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, They're upside. So... What I want to do, and it's especially relevant after watching the egg that Ohio State laid yesterday, because I think that was one of the four to five teams that Gary Danielson was yeah, including there. That's what I've said. I, th- I, I went into the day thinking that there was maybe that there was one or two teams that their best would be good enough to compete with Alabama's average or worst. And what I want to do with you is I want to have a draft of teams that could beat Alabama, but not really. I, I think there's teams that could beat Alabama. All right, I'll give you first pick. We'll, we'll, we'll each take two teams. Okay. And that, we'll do, the, we'll, we'll, we'll trade off. All right. You, so you want me to go first? I want you to go first. LSU. There you go. Yeah. Whoa. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but LSU can be, there's, there's two teams in this conference that can beat Alabama. And uh, Auburn should have been up there too, but I mean, yeah, they suck. No. Um, yeah, I, I think I, before this, I would have said Ohio State because the way they're built is it's a lot like in the way they're coached i thought until yesterday it was just very similar to how alabama's taught and and coached and all that i can't get over what what happened but but yeah i mean lsu can be bama and and because it's it's not it has you got to have a quarterback that catches fire and that can be now and I'm, i joke around all the time about it. we don't want to get joe burrow tired early and tucker himself out and having all these completions Steven, Steven Garcia, is that is that one of the better quarterbacks like you've ever seen in the SEC? He beat Alabama. He went 18-20 against Alabama. It can happen. It's a, it's a very, very different discussion that we're having with an Alabama offense like this. That's what I keep coming back to. You ask me to, to play the game. I'm playing I ask game. you to play the game. All right, so let's let's continue to play the game. I'll take the obvious one in Clemson. What? For the fact that... <laughs> For the fact that we're tr- we're still trying to figure out what exactly Trevor Lawrence's potential is, we think Beautiful that I mean this is a kid beast. who's he's number one overall recruit in the country, obviously coming into this this cycle, and he is someone that is still figuring it out, and we haven't necessarily seen him at his best. And of course, we've talked a lot about the defensive line, saying that with all these guys that that could be drafted in the first two rounds, and what this unit would be able to do. Clemson, Debo Sweeney, the fact that he's already beat Nick Saban, that, that's the obvious choice. The, the more interesting discussion is who you would take for your second pick because I have a team that I think would surprise you a little bit, but go ahead. Oh, I don't like where this is going. Michigan State. No. Um, God, no. Uh, ooh, but Michigan could... Uh, I'm Georgia. I mean, okay. hands down. Like, Kirby Smart, they, they could have done it last year. I understand it's a different team than last year, and I understand the whole thing about the offense. I get all that. Georgia's a team that is built. And we're talking about neutral site. I mean, it doesn't really... Yeah, uh, neutral site. Sure. You can play it on the moon. I don't care. I mean, hell, bro, they can play it on the moon. I don't know how to go get tickets. Uh, anyway. Ticket City. <laughs> Ticket City, that's right. There you go. Set them up, knock them down. Uh, yeah, Georgia could. And, and and I tell you what, if Georgia figures out a way to kind of wrangle this beast of Justin Fields and Jake Fromm and be able to use that to their advantage, I think that is... Like, Justin Fields is the type of quarterback that Bama has traditionally struggled with and you know i bring up the lsu thing because that lsu defense 
I'm not can two hasn't thrown an interception this year. Does that do you think that that happens against against like a, a defense like that? I I don't. And against Georgia, you have Jake Fromm, who even as a freshman last year, and against what I think was a better defense, was able to light them up. And 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 so and I will say this before you make your pick, Bama fans, we they have we I guess have a tendency to be way over the top and like over embellish how great each team is like we're so good we're never going to get beat they've lost a game in eight straight seasons they've lost a game in eight straight seasons and i've said several times and i still believe it the team in 2016 is the best team i've ever seen us have alabama have and i remember the tennessee game that that time we won they won like 46 to 10 or something like that i don't know and it was like oh my god or 41 to 10 and it was like They scored in every phase of the game. They had a defensive touchdown, a special team touchdown, and an offensive touchdown. Jalen Hurts threw for 300 yards and ran for 100 yards. You're like, oh my gosh, how could anyone beat these people? And then you get to a game later in the season against battle-tested teams who have been in like these gut-check moments where Bama has it, and it comes back to haunt you. Go ahead. Don't say Michigan State. I'm going to say Michigan, and I'm not saying that Michigan is going to – I'm not saying Michigan would would beat Alabama. Remember, I, I am of the belief that that Bama, even on an average day, will beat anyone in the country. So I don't like the whole four to five teams thing. But I think just in terms, of matchups, in terms of matchups that I want to see, I want to see Michigan play Alabama in a semifinal game for the fact that we talk a lot about the LSU secondary and how great that unit is. I think it's the best secondary in the yep. country. I think they're so good defending the pass, and I cannot wait to see what Tua does against them. For the third year in a row, Don Brown has the number one passing defense in the country at Michigan. Don Brown. I don't know if you've seen. I don't know if you've seen. I don't know if you've seen some of the some of the players they have in this secondary. But that would actually be an interesting matchup yeah. to watch from that standpoint. And here's the other thing: if you're going to beat Alabama, you've got to have a quarterback that doesn't have any limitations. Okay. They've got to be mobile. They've got to be able to make throws downfield. Any throw on the field, they need to be able to make. And Shea Patterson is becoming that guy. He's not that guy just yet. And I know that you're going to point to the, to the Ole Miss game last no, year and say, we already I'm saw not, that before. Not, we don't need to see that point. again. My, my thing with, with Shea Patterson, and I think this is true for kind of all people who face Bama, and maybe even Deshaun Watson experienced this to a certain extent. And I know he went off in that first championship game. But I think you kind of need that first Bama experience. I think facing them the very That's first fair, yeah. time... There's a little bit of a shell shock to it. And I think that somebody who's already gotten in the batting cage, done the Happy Gilmore, got hit in the face, well, you know, got to get ready for so Got to get ready for 364 days of hockey season. Got to toughen up. Uh, <laughs> I think Shea Patterson has already had that experience. And I and I would love to just to see what, what this Michigan team would do because I don't think that they would beat Alabama by any stretch of the imagination. Let's not get it twisted. But that's a matchup that is actually like kind of fun. And their strengths would actually be a little bit more conducive to a team staying in the game. They'd have a better chance of doing it than Ohio State. Oh, we forget. Sorry, I'm tired. This damn road race this morning at 7.30 in the morning just woke me up. Anyway, are we forgetting about Notre Dame because we don't respect Notre Dame or because they had an off week? I don't know how prisoner of uh, moment you get. Well, I mean, I'm not forgetting about Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame with Ian Book is a different team, and I'll yeah. I'll say that. And I think Notre Dame undefeated gets into the playoff, Ugh. and I think I, I'm not even ready to eliminate them with one loss, um, the way that others are. Right. Peter Burns, shout out to our guy. Um, but I don't think Notre Dame stays on the field physically with with Alabama. I just I, yeah, I yeah. think there's no chance in the world that. 
they have the the offensive firepower to to hang with them. I, I think that that battle gets ugly in a hurry. And I'm not just thinking of twenty the 2012 national championship. I'm thinking right. of watching this team basically go back and forth with Vandy. I'm just saying the guy named Shea isn't going to beat Alabama. You got to have a traditional Christian name. It's got to be Tim. Chad. John, well, oh, that's messed up. Bo. That's, that's okay. You know what? We're done here. You just I'll, I'll okay. take my medicine. You own me. Dynasty is dead. Now, um, can I get this off my chest now? The Ohio State hate? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, so here's the thing, guys. You got hate in your heart. Let it out. And there are a few things I hate in the world more than Ohio State. Traffic. Yellow starbursts. Uh, when Gary Danielson says on balance instead of unbalanced. It drives me crazy. But here's what I hate more than all that, and that's Ohio State football. Now, I'm bringing this up because this is a team that I thought was going to be good enough. They're, they're out of the playoffs, right? They, they are out of the playoffs. Um, they would... No, no playoff team has ever suffered a loss of that many points and made the field. I, and a lot of stuff can happen. I don't think they're in control of their own destiny anymore. Okay. I'll say that. So, and, and I bring this up, and I, I, I don't want this to be an Alabama thing and come off as like a homer for that. This is strictly so people understand why Ohio State should have never made the playoff last year, why they shouldn't make the playoff this year. That loss... So, first off, I didn't realize this until like three minutes at the end of the game. And, and Purdue's not a bad football team. That number four, that kid could play anywhere in the country. Rondell Moore was a Texas commit, Good. and he went to the same high school as, as Jeff Brom. He is – there. I don't, I don't know if there's a more electric player in the country right now. I mean, he is that kind of good. Oh, he is so much fun to watch. Um, you obviously haven't seen Justin Fields or, or Joe Burrow. I mean, yeah, exactly. they're up there, too. Joe Burrow is electric in every single way, in every single facet. <laughs> anyway, but here's the problem I have with this. So Ohio State last night lost by four touchdowns in a game they attempted 73 pass attempts. They lost, a four t- they lost by four touchdowns to a team that lost also at home to Missouri or Missouri. Uh, you're forgetting that they lost at home to Eastern Michigan. but yeah. What? Yes, that's another thing. They lost at home to Eastern Michigan and then beat the vaunted Ohio State Buckeyes by four touchdowns. So Ohio State's last four losses, all four have been by more than 14 points. Now, this is not me throwing the stat out there. This is Brad Edwards. In 12 seasons at Alabama, Nick Saban has never lost a game by more than 14 points. Which is, that's, just put that in comparison. Like, you cannot keep excusing, like, oh, we had one bad game, so you got to give us the benefit of the doubt. No, no, no. They should be out of the playoff hunt. I hate Ohio State. They lost to another unranked team. They lost, they got embarrassed by another unranked team. Their last two losses are by combined 30 points. And guess what? They're both to teams that were unranked. That's all i got to say. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. There's there's no doubt about it. A lot of stuff is going to happen um, in the next, I'd say, two weeks to really kind of get a better picture of this thing. The first playoff rankings come out a week from Tuesday. We will definitely yeah. be talking about those And yellow starbursts are the worst. They and are the worst. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. They are very, they're the dead last. If somebody the says Starburst they like yellow starbursts, they're a terrorist. I'm going to throw that out there. Moving on. It's probably a bit much. Let's, took it too far. Let's go around to, to the rest of the SEC. Um, Auburn and Ole Miss. I told you that that Ole Miss, that Ole Miss defense is the ultimate get right group. You right if about you that. Have, if you have issues, just go and face the Ole Miss defense. Um, they they will make sure that you get your yards, you get your points, they get you off the hot they seat. They don't no, take Gus care of you, off the hot seat, but. Ole Miss defense ends up allowing Booby Whitlow to rush for 170 yards. Uh, Auburn wins this game 31 to 16. Finally, the streak, the drought of 100-yard uh, rushing performances is over for Auburn. So, golf clap for that. Yep. Um, so get this. This is my favorite stat. 
Auburn had 269 rushing yards in this game. 269. Nice. Yeah. Um, Ole Miss is now allowing 265 rushing yards per SEC game. So <laughs> Auburn would basically ran for the average amount that Ole Miss usually lets up. Ole Miss has still figured out, uh, still not figured out what the art of tackling is, and I feel They're bad for our so guy. So bad JT. at tackling. It's it's mind boggling. Like if you if you sit down and watch Ole Miss for for 60 minutes and count the missed tackles. Try a drinking I, game. I don't know how you don't lose your mind. This this game was a complete disaster for for that Ole Miss defense after getting off to kind of what looked like a promising start and Gus Malzahn was having to make some tweaks in this game. He brings in uh, they they bring in uh, who is it Malik Willis and right. and he ends up you know getting a couple of spot snaps in this one just to try and spark the offense. But then he realized, oh wait, we can be super one dimensional and still win this game, yeah. and that's what happened. So and I don't want to start off with a negative negative thing, but I have to address it before I forget. Booby Whitlow fumbled at the one yard line again, didn't he? Yeah, but Auburn recovered it. Thank this time, God, so. yes, because I, yeah. I I even like I couldn't watch that happen for Auburn fans again. That that was tough. Um, Oh, yeah, Auburn looked good. Stidham, Stidham finally, and it took a while. He looked not great early. He was off. I mean, there was a couple of throws early in that first quarter um, when they were going, like, like if you're looking at TV left to right, uh, so basically like where you were in the press box, like, like that's how they were moving on the field. He threw a couple of passes in that end zone that weren't even close. He had one to Sal Canella uh, in the back of the end zone. He had one, I, I forgot who it was, but, like, in the corner, like the left, end, like left part of the end zone that he overthrew by a good 10 yards. But he finally settled down, looked pretty good, um, ended up with a, a pretty good day statistically. And, yeah, the running game, that's the biggest thing. Like, I don't care about Stidham. He can throw 50% of his passes and complete that, that, at that percentage the entire year. Auburn, then this offense, their success is based off of them being able to run the football, and it was good to see them get back to being able to do that. That was the obvious big takeaway from this, and now Gus Malzahn gets that fifth win, and you assume that that bowl eligibility now is is pretty much in the bag, which didn't. If they lose this game, all of a sudden you really start to question that with the remaining schedule that they have. Yeah. The the big takeaway I have from watching Vandy in Kentucky. Oh my god! Here's okay. So I should have said this before with Nick Fitzgerald too, but I, I said this to uh, uh, shout out Brad Crawford, twenty four seven Sports, um, hey Brad. good friend of SDS. Um, I said this to him too because he was commenting on how um, you know the 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 rushing of of Terry Wilson, neighbor Terry Wilson, our good friend. Oh, neighbor it's Terry just Wilson. that's that's all he has, and he never has to throw the ball. So here's what I think we should think of this now: when it comes to watching Nick Fitzgerald and Terry Wilson play the quarterback position, let's just tell ourselves we're that they're running the Wildcat. Yeah, sure, that's that's fine with me because I you know I I love Terry Wilson, I love Scotty Phillips, I love these people, man. I mean, I've been neighbors with them in this cul-de-sac for damn near 11 years now. All right, I've seen Terry Wilson's kids grow up. No, I haven't seen any of that happen. <laughs> I mean, I coached, I coached his youngest in Little League last year. Really good. But, yeah, this is – it. I, you keep – well, you know, I just, I'm sorry. I'm trying my best to figure out the best way to say this. Let's just focus on the positives today, okay? Cause three completions for 18 that yards is Terry Wilson had in this three game. of nine. Do you think that you could go out there and complete three passes right now? Let's play hypothetical, unfair situations that just that have no impact on the game at all. But like, do you think you can complete three passes? Hell, I know I complete I four. I don't think I could. Okay, I'll that's, be that's, you're, that's I think I'd struggle with logical. The, I'd struggle with the pass rush. I'm irrational um, to think that I could do it. But regardless, I keep saying, and this will be the positive note for this: they can't be this one-dimensional, and maybe they can't be against teams that are are better than Vanderbilt. I don't know, but 
this is impressive to see a team with this big of a limitation in the passing game because it is. This is not the first time he has looked this bad. Okay, like he. This has been a season long thing. Their lone loss is on the road in one of the toughest environments against a ranked Texas A&M team that also took Clemson down the wire. So it is almost that more that much more impressive to see all of this entire workload and this offensive production success rests on the shoulders of Benny Snell. And at one point yesterday, when it was tied 7-7, their go-ahead score in the fourth quarter, they had a 12-play, 80-yard drive. And on that drive, Benny Snell had 10 carries for 74 yards. It is a one-man show in Lexington, besides Cash Daniel, and I mean, I mean, at least on offense, it's a one-man show. And it's it's almost, I will say, that much more impressive to see what, what Snell has been able to do on the ground. The Benny Snell Heisman campaign. We just want to get Benny Snell to New York. That's all I really want. We know Benny Snell's not going to win the award. Let's let's that not should get have ahead been his moment ourselves. last night. That was against Beating Vandy by seven. No, but like yeah. that's not it. Like, but like remember they had when when Ingram won, they were like he just had his moment. They beat an unranked South Carolina team, and he had six straight carries, or whatever. I mean, that's impressive. If you you have to get this win against Vanderbilt. I know it's Vanderbilt, but twelve plays, eighty yards, and ten carries for seventy four yards. It's impressive. The, the Kentucky offense, I'm very interested to see how they deal with uh, the Georgia defense that you think is going to keep in, improving. We'll, we'll get a little bit more insight to the Georgia defense as to how they perform against Florida this weekend. But before we get to that discussion, look ahead to, to Week 9, let's uh, hit, hit on very briefly the, um, the two SEC teams that played non-conference games. That was Mizzou and Arkansas. Mizzou, I told you, I said that this Memphis defense was really bad. Really yeah, right bad. I don't that. care that they had just lost by one against UCF. But that was my my big takeaway is take that, UCF. Yeah. Everybody that's saying I and I don't, I don't even mean to say that to, to, hate, on, to hate on UCF specifically. I but do. UCF people on Twitter have gotten a little bit ahead of themselves. And... Here's here's what I will say. If you're if you're Memphis and you beat UCF by a one, and then you go into a place, uh, an SEC team that hasn't won a conference game yet, and you just get run off the field in a week's time, that's not a good sign. No. Well, and it's not even that. It's it's yeah, they haven't won a conference game. Sure, we can take that into account. A much a much more important, I think, and and scarier statistic is the fact that. This is a team that is two and fifteen in their last seventeen games against FBS schools with a winning record, and you got boat raced. Yeah. And the whole thing that's... is UCF. I mean, oh yeah. So now it's important that our friend Luke sorry to get attacked by UCF fans, but when I was spearheading this entire Twitter Twitter feud, you were nowhere to be found, Connor. Nowhere to be found. I'm not. It's not worth it for me. I'm not. No, I'm true. not at that point. You're a and, and, and an adult. And that's not just because I live in Orlando, but just because I know that it's a battle that's not worth having. Because it's what's, a joke. What's the point? Yeah. What's the point? But also, but it was nice to see Missouri score more than double the points they put up against the same Memphis defense. Yeah. Credit Drew Locke for getting it going. Um, he and Alberto were on the money yeah. all day. That was a Memphis defense that, as we've seen in the past, that that is not their strong suit. That is not what they are going to try and do. Uh, Mizzou got the offense rolling in this one. Can we get to the good stuff? Do you think this... What's that? Can we get to the good stuff? The heartwarming uh, stuff? Arkansas, the, Tulsa? The hog warming yeah. stuff? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. Thank you. So the big takeaway from this one, without your favorite quarterback in the SEC – what is his name? This is the story of a hurl. 
I bet Kelly Bryant would go to Arkansas just so that he would never have to hear that again. He listens yeah, to this podcast, we can assume. That's Kelly funny. Bryant was on hand in Fayetteville for that game yesterday. Everybody was talking about that. And Arkansas gets a shutout victory, first one in shutout four victory, years. They win yeah. this game 23 to, 23 to nothing. Uh, but everybody was focused on Kelly Bryant in the house for the hog call. And why was he so I, I, I couldn't help but think this entire time while like trying to dissect, you know, this this reaction to this game is how much of this is more, you know, this this year is setting up for Kelly Bryant perfectly in, yeah. in so many ways. How big of a get would this be for Chad Morris? It'd be huge. It'd be huge. I mean, it'd be awesome if you would have committed to him right after this game because obviously, I mean, you know, just carrying that wave of momentum. Um now, one thing I will say, and just we'll give another shout out to our friends at Ticket City, but yeah, maybe maybe next time you know Chad Morris and the boys hit up Ticket City and get Kelly Bryant a little bit closer to the field because he was a good thirty rows back. He was on the sideline for a little bit though. That's good. I mean, that's good. He yeah. wanted to see that. But regardless, yeah, and it looks like you know I know that this what is it, Connor Noland? Connor Nolan gets his first career start, the true freshman, very highly touted guy in states. Arkansas fans have some high expectations for him, but I don't think that they would mind seeing him get another year to back up Kelly Bryant. I completely agree with that. And, I, you know, I, I do think that once this offense gets going, and, and you got to think, it's it's unrealistic for us to think about how, even with me in the preseason being like, well, I don't know, they returned 17 starters. And you were like, yeah, but they weren't that good. But, like, you returned so many, so much talent that was that was built off of a Brett Bielema offense versus this kind of offense under Chad Morris. It's going to take some time, and and it was such an awesome thing to see them take a like not just a, a step and a positive step in the right direction, but like you know bowing your neck a little bit and and holding them to zero points and having your first shutout in almost five years. Four, I'm trying to embellish as much as I can, but like. That, yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome to see. I don't think there was a team I was more proud of in the SEC yesterday than Arkansas. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I mean, like, we can, hell of a job. Let's go get you some ice cream. We can assume that Chad Morris was probably not eating ice cream and more like chugging Red Bulls uh, late last night. You you were having some, some Bud Light last night, weren't you? Oh, man, cat's out of the bag. Cat's out of the bag. Uncle Chris got, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got it in my feelings last night a little bit. I just, and here's why. And, and this is... Uh, yeah, uh, game day with Bud Light is so much better, and I'm so happy that they are now um, a, a sponsor for this podcast. Like, I mean, like it literally—it's like each week, it's like, what's next? Like Legos. I mean, this this episode of the SCS podcast brought to you by Bud Light, and it's my favorite things. Bud Light and college football. There's like few things that go better and like together than college football and cold Bud Light. And I had quite a few of them yesterday. Bud Light is game day is is game day's favorite light logger. Uh, we've been working with the folks at Bud Light now for years. Um, they do an amazing job. They do amazing stuff with college football fans. Two years ago, we did a, a joint tailgating tour around the Southeast. I think you remember that. It was a lot of fun. I uh, went to several games. Well, guess what, boys and girls? This weekend, Bud Light will have a great, a fantastic, and incredible setup uh, and a little tailgate down at Florida, Georgia in Jacksonville. I'm not going to call it what you called it, but let's just say it is one of the best outdoor parties in the world. So if you're at the game, go seek out the Bud Light tailgate party. It's always awesome. Saturdays are better down south with Bud Light. Bud Light celebrates college football and reminds all fans to enjoy the game and, most importantly, Connor, drink responsibly. Now, that's one thing I will pat myself on the back yesterday. It made everything, it just made the entire day was just so great. I had some chili, I had some Bud Light, and I got to watch just one of the greatest days of college football I've, I've had in a very long time. It's like getting a little bit cold outside. Oh, God. I love everything. I'm so happy. 
It was 72 this morning in Orlando, so I know not what you're talking it about at all. It was 43 here. Whoa. Do you know how good that is you're... for my sweat? That is very good for and, your sweat. And I'm just going to um, say one more thing about this, the whole Bud Light thing. At one point last night, Connor, I took a... I mean, I don't want to put Bay on blast, but she bought a six-pack instead of a 12-pack, and you know how I feel about that. But at one point, we were able to take the six-pack and just put it outside. It was still cold, not even in the fridge. It's that time of year. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Or so I hear. Um, I was going to set the over-under for your Bud Lights yesterday at 7.5. That's not part of the ad read or anything. But What do you think the answer I, is? Because you know how, how emotional I got at the end of the night. I love everyone. You guys are the best. It was over 7.5. Over a long day, though, that's not bad. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hours in the day, you know. Yeah. Got to stay hydrated. Let's play our favorite game. That is Guess That Line. America's favorite game. Yeah. We guess the lines for the week nine games because we're recording this before they come out. So there are only five games in the SEC in week nine. Week nine. It's fine. We're there. We've already passed it. You don't have to whisper anymore. I know. They are all SEC games, though. Uh, We've talked a lot already about the the Florida-Georgia game. But let's start off with guessing the line for a very hotly contested game between Vandy and Arkansas. All right. We know that Vegas loves Vandy. Let's keep That's that in true. mind. I'm gonna what is say, your guess for this? Ooh, I'm between two and a half and four. I'm going to say Arkansas is going to open as a, as a three-point favorite. Wow. That's a lot. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be that much. I think Arkansas is a one-point favorite to open. And keep keep in mind that Arkansas is still working for that first win against a Power 5 team in the Chad Morris era, so let's, let's not forget that. And Vegas loves Vandy. Vegas was right about Vandy. We criticized Vegas for not having a bigger spread for that game against Kentucky, and then, sure enough, all Vandy does is go in there and cover. Nobody gets out of Kroger Field alive, as we were told by our good friend Luke Del Rio. Except Luke Del Rio got out of Kroger Field alive, but whatever, that's beside the point. Speaking of Kroger Field, they will not be there this weekend, but Kentucky and Mizzou, that game is at 4 p.m. on SEC Network. What do we think uh, Kentucky is going to be? Can we assume Kentucky is going to be favored? No. You don't assume Kentucky's going to be favored at Mizzou? No. Whoa. First off, hey, right. quick shout-out to Mizzou's helmets. Those were badass, man. The Block M. That With was pretty rock. cool. That, that was, was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, the Rock yeah. M. That's my bad. My bad. Sorry. Sorry. Not your fault. Anyway, um, I will take Kentucky. You know what? I'll take a pick em. I think it's, yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be it's gonna be less than three points. That much we know. I'm going to say Kentucky is favored by one and a half. Okay. I feel like you one and a half. Very, very close. This will be, this will be a tough game to, um, to, to judge movement on because I think that a lot of people are going to look at what Terry Wilson did and think, Terry Wilson compared to Drew Locke, we compare quarterbacks. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. This, this game, while I still, I mean, spoiler alert, I'm going to pick Kentucky to win this game. But I still question how much that's going to have an impact after watching what Drew Locke did against Memphis right. compared to uh, Terry Wilson basically deciding uh, that passing was You know what? I won't say pick him then. I'll say Missouri by one and a half. How about that? Actually, screw it. Oh. I already said pick him. Anyway, next game. A&M at, at Mississippi State. 
Mississippi State is, is going to continue to have these these small spreads just because, by the way, shout out to that defense because that defense yeah. played its heart out. That the lowest the, the best scoring defense in the country um, did what Georgia couldn't do, which was keep the LSU offense at bay. And I think that Mississippi State is going to, while the possibility of them finishing with a winning record in conference play is, you know, pretty much gone. Yeah. I do think that Mississippi State gets the benefit of the doubt in this one and is no, never mind. A and M's going to be a a two and a half point favorite in Starkville. Okay, I'm going to go. That's kind of what I was going to say. I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to say Mississippi State is a one point favorite. We're overthinking this already. By the way, shout out Mike Elko. I talk about Mike Elko every single week. The stat much, that I though. threw out there. I say it on Twitter a lot. Um, the stat that I threw out there on Twitter about AM having the third best run defense in the country, they've faced Benny Snell, they faced Alabama, and they faced Clemson, and they're still that good against the run. That does not bode well against a Mississippi State team that, let's be honest, they're as one as it gets. I wouldn't use the T word. <laughs> I'm projecting. Let's, Speaking of the T uh, word, moving on. <laughs> Tennessee you said, heads you to... You said you liked Tennessee. You said you liked Tennessee today. I didn't today. say I didn't. A t, the T-word was Tennessee, not trash. I know, but saying that they're the T-word implies that they're a swear and you can't say them. Okay, that's not what that implied at all. Good God. Sorry, I took it to another level. <laughs> Man, anyway. So, so uh, they're playing the S-word. <laughs> nope, all right. That was too much. Take a laugh. Okay, I'll take a laugh. I'll sit this one out. Go ahead and introduce the game. I think that South Carolina, um, coming off of uh, a bye week, I think South Carolina is favored in this game, but it's also really, really close. We have a lot of very tight spreads, I think, this, uh, this, this upcoming week. I think South Carolina maybe... Say, say it with your heart, Connor. I think three and a half. Is that too much for South Carolina to be favored by? What? Say it again. South Carolina favored by three and a half. I like that. I think that's good. I'm going to say South Carolina favored by two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just think that there there might be a tendency to just kind of throw out the Alabama game with Tennessee, and we're just going to look um, a little – because that's not a – that's the outlier game Carolina's for Carolina's coming off a bye week, though. I know. Carolina coming off a bye week, maybe, maybe – no, it's not going to happen. I'm not even going to throw it out there because we're not going to see Michael Scarn, and it's going to be kind of sad. But why don't we? Why don't we get to everyone's favorite favorite segment? Because you know who just came in here, right? It's Sunday. Whoa, 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 whoa! We we got to do our last one. We we, we skipped one here. Oh, okay, you, you f- guess what the Florida Georgia line is going to be? Oh my God! Did you? Just yeah, you just said it. I knew you were going to say it. I knew you were going to say it. I hate everything right now. I've been uh, trying to be so uh, nice this episode. Now you've ruined everything. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll be as simple as possible. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Um, that's their go. song on the radio right now. Um, I think Georgia is a touchdown favorite. Connor, Georgia already is a touchdown favorite. The line already came out. So that's why I thought that? You're spot on with it. So I cheated. Maybe subconsciously, I already had that in my head and I just kind of knew. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're better at this than me. I think that's the main takeaway. Is it really a touchdown? Okay. Well, I'm uh, I'm very impressed with myself. You okay. ought to be. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to our favorite segment. Do we have him? Is is he with us? 
Yeah, he, so he just got here. Uh, it's 12.36 right now, p.m. Uh, in Atlanta, okay. which means we've officially been able to start drinking uh, for brunch for the last six minutes. And Oh, oh boy, hold on. Oh, what's up, Coach O? <laughs> Somebody's feeling themselves right now. He's, he's So he's still wet. How are you still wet? Did you see, by the way, the, the Coach O, you squeezing the water bottle on your face? That That's... That's one of the most gifable moments of college football season right there. That's my coach always kind of, it was a good day. We had a good day. We went down there. Are we, are we, are we signing right now? I'm all feeling myself. All right. We got so, five week. I'm on island time. Coach O, you were very, you, you, you knew this preseason that everybody was saying the, the over-under win total was a very hot topic of discussion. Six and a half wins for LSU. The schedule's too difficult. You're going to have your first season not getting to eight wins of the 21st century. All that stuff. You are now seven and one. You said to Vegas, "Hey, you're stupid." I'm Coach O. I'm, I'm very curious what your thoughts on just all things Las Vegas. I swear, are. I swear, to God, Connor, one time you will come in here, you gonna intro me the right way, the way I deserve oh. to, and all that. I'll do it myself. Let's get to your song. Like I always do. Don't, 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 don't. In the eye of the tiger, in the thrill of the fight, rising up to the challenge of water. A lot of water in that game. Like that. How you doing there, Kyle? Pretty good? All right. Not- now, listen, I know a lot of y'all coming here in your favorite segment. A lot of you hate the segment. Either way, we're going to do the segment. And I want to let you know, uh, I hope all you had a good Saturday. Uh, I know it wasn't as good as my Saturday, especially if you named Nick Fitzgerald. <laughs> okay. Boom. Anyway, moving on. Next thing. Yeah. Kind of. So, Crit, Crit tell me that week. We had some pancake. We had some mimosas. We had some good time, some side hug, uh, as you do. Um, he told me you like to show the office. Good show. Very good show. Uh, now, I will tell you this. What did I tell Vegas? It was my favorite quote from Stanley Hudson, and that is, shove it up your butt. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> now, let me tell you something about Vegas. I like Vegas. Who don't like Vegas? Me and Chris, uh, Uncle Chris, we got uh, in a year trip planned together to go to Vegas. We gonna have a good. He, I'm gonna be there on the bachelor party. Now, one thing about Vegas, you got buffet, you got women, you got song, dance, fun, everything you want. All right, am I right about that? Am I right about that? You're not wrong about now, that. Now let me tell you something. When you walk in, you walk in to a casino. They blow oxygen in the, in the air, right? That's a metaphor for what I do to the life, lifeblood. <laughs> To the fan, the team, the community, the state, Louisiana. All right, now I'm, I'm gonna have my fun out here. We got a week off. I'm gonna have, yeah, I mean, Vegas, Vegas, Vegas don't mess up. I think we all agree. Vegas don't mess up. Betting against Koto. More like, uh, no. Am I right? Am I right, Connor? <laughs> now, I'm gonna come out here. I'm gonna go see Celine Dion. Uh, you know, Maybe listen to a little, do you believe in life at the love, at the love? Yeah, all that. I'm going to have a good time. Coach o, that's that's not Celine Dion. You, that's Cher, but you, that's all right. You, you don't need to get that right. You're right. Now, I mean, running out of steam here. I don't know why I'm out of breath just doing <laughs> this conversation. Now, regardless, regardless, Connor, I'm going to go out here have a good time. Let me tell you something Vegas don't have. They got heart. They got a passion. They got water bottles on the sidewalk for me to spray my face with. Hot blank out here. Another thing they don't have is something I'm going to be cooking up next week. 
you know what I'm be cooking up next week on them besides another W? I think I do. A little Dumbo Gumbo coming in hot for you. Coming in hot. All right, we got. Wow. Man, Coach O, I don't know if we can. Are we gonna be friends this week? Great, we always gonna be friends. That means a lot, Coach. It means a lot. I don't know why I'm out of breath. <laughs> Ed Talks is uniting fans from from everywhere. At least no, I, I hope so. I don't know if that's what it's doing. Let's close out with it might mean too much. Uh, one of guys on on Coach O's staff, maybe Coach O can uh, provide a little bit of insight on this. <laughs> Assistant strength and conditioning coach uh, Jake Riedel. Headbutter an LSU player twice, just with his big bald head. Did he get to go through concussion protocol? I mean, we would assume that, right? I I myself have wrestled Jake Rito. I found him in a swamp. He was raised by lions uh, at a at a at a scab. You know what? We, <laughs> we're I, I actually I, I could believe that. I really could he, watching like, this guy. He he came. We're watching the game, and, and there were several times last night. And this is this is like. I think it's a weekly thing. It's a testament to how, honestly, how great Coach O is. And I love Coach O so much. And, and LSU this year, this is, like, I get that I'm a Bama fan. But it is it is must-see TV. And at one point last night, they were t- <laughs> there were several times, actually, when I had to either get off the phone with, like, my mom or a friend that was calling. like, hey, how you been? What's going on? I was like, I got to go. Coach O just did something. And it was one time where the strength coach grabbed someone by the face mask and busted his own head open for no reason at all. I mean, in hindsight, like, couldn't somebody have been like, hey, man, Nick Fitzgerald's not going to pose a threat. You don't have to do that. Save your forehead. Save your forehead for two weeks from now. Like, you don't need to be doing that right now. But then the other part, when Coach O, did you see him and the get-back coach when he cut off the ref and then and then he himself got everybody back? That that's that takes a lot of strength <laughs> to be able to be the get-back guy. But, the get-back guy, you can't really understate their importance because that, that's a – that's a job that I don't think should be taken lightly. We've seen, we saw Gus Malzahn, by the way, get an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty in that game. Um, I think Auburn fans are pretty pumped about that, but maybe he needs a better get back guy. So, yeah, take it out of his contract. Anyway, and then I also saw this <laughs> in the TCU game. In the TCU game, I saw this. This was actually pretty funny. Gary Patterson has a, has a voice back, like a, a get, get your voice back guy, which is this like young lady who is falling around with water and throat lodgings the whole time because his voice runs out. I guess he loses his voice every game. And she said they do 6,000 steps per day in between, like, the 20-yard line and the 20-yard line. Connor, I haven't done 6,000 steps this week. Anyway, the Coach O thing when they were like, it's a sideline warning on LSU. Everyone needs to get back. And the the ref starts explaining it to him, and Coach O just puts his finger up in front of him like, no, I'll handle this. And is like, get the back. (laughs) Just like, I mean, I would have pissed my pants, excuse my language, but God, that is scarier than any Halloween costume you will see this season. God, I love Coach O. Coach O, uh, the the squirt in the water bottle on the face. (laughs) That was that was voluntary. Uh, Nick Saban did not have a voluntary liquid poured on him. Uh, at least did did it hit Nick Saban, the Tennessee fan who poured the poured the drink on Saban when he was walking through the tunnel? I don't there? know, but I love the only appropriate response to that was was fans being like, "That guy's a hero. Not all hero wears not all heroes wear capes. Get him better seats." That was the only appropriate funny response because I love when Bama fans came out there and they're like, "Ain't got no class." I was like, "Yeah, like we didn't just burn down a tree because one of our idiot fans like six years ago." Get, get out of here. That's gonna be your one interaction with with Nick Saban, though. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. seriously, that's what I questioned. That, that you're like, oh, I'm seeing Nick Saban in person for the first time. Here's this drink I have in my hand. Let me dump it on him. <laughs> that like, was an adult. It was like a 55 yeah. year old man named Glenn. I was like, oh, yeah. what are you doing, Glenn? 
It's not Glenn, it's Greg with three G's. Either way, dude, you can't be doing that kind of crap. Greg, if you're listening to this podcast, um, I'm sorry. I think you should have just taken the easier way out, squirted some water in your face, and throw that, you throw that refreshing ice cold, refreshing Coca Cola drink on me. Maybe with Bud Light. I don't know. If it's an ice cold Bud Light, pour that all over me and let it rain down on my face. We've got five star reviews to get to today. Yes, I promised that we were going to have some the other day. We, got we some? have plenty of them today. We do have some. Uh, this right. first one is from J Mo Gator. You're going to appreciate this subject line. This is a story of a. Oh, no. Is that pretty good? Wasn't that bad? Uh, all right. Thanks a lot, Uncle Chris, for getting that stuck in my head twice a week. Absolutely great podcast full of hot takes on topics such as crowd noise, mattering, and Todd Grantham getting into arguments at Chili's. Can we get Coach O to start in a remake of The Notebook? We will work on it. We got a lot of five-star reviews this week. We do. Okay. Um, all right. This one is from J.E. Spivey87, uh, subject line, in love with the show. Great show. Great back and forth between the hosts. Uh, but they're wrong about the cage match, their cage match power rankings. Scott Cochran, the Ole Miss um, offensive coordinator, nope. uh, runs the table against every other SEC coach if we include insist- assistance. Seriously, though, you guys rock. That's a great point. <laughs> Let me read the Probably next one. Included. Yeah, you got the next Stairway one. Stairway to Chili's Paradise by Schuler82. Yep. Y'all got me wanting to buy a round, tri- a round trip flight to Orlando just to hit up the Stairway to Heaven Chili's. Keep it going with the Coach O, I have the Tiger Talk. Go, you silver britches, though. That's awesome. That's You know what? This is exactly what real. I needed. I'm glad we did this today. This one is from uh, Ms. Alum, subject line, uh, Crying Mizzou Alum. Saturday Down South is ridiculously hilarious. If these guys made a podcast every day, I would be so happy. I would be so tired. <laughs> yeah. uh, every Monday and Thursday morning, I wake up and immediately check to see if the new episode is uploaded. The Cocho impressions and jokes make me bust out laughing in the middle of my quiet office. Here's hoping that we're doing that for you on a Monday morning if you're yeah. listening to this now. Future us will know if that happens, but here's hoping. Uh, next from Jordan with an E underscore Rogers with a money sign. Hot take. <laughs> um, it says second best college football podcast. Not as good as the Mazad cast, but still worth a listen. Oh, thanks guys. Appreciate that. Shout out to Mazad cast. Yeah, they're they, great. Do, they do some good work. I do they're, love that stuff. Really TJ Moe is awesome. He's always on point. Yeah. Really good stuff. Uh, last five star review for you. This is from uh, Apesty. Apesty? Probably Apesty. Uh, sorry for completely butchering that. Subject line, Georgia Bulldog living in Pac-12 country. What? So good, I've got my Pac-12 fan co-workers hooked on it. Wow, thank you. Uh, unfortunately, as a Georgia Bulldog, that meant walking into work Monday morning and being trolled in the coach. Oh, boy. That is, so I, awesome. I know that I've been overly emotional and, and like yesterday in college football at one point. Oh, you're back, good. At one point yesterday, I, like, I was like the Tyler Strong thing. We talked about how incredible that was at Purdue. And at one point, my fiance looked at me and she goes, are you okay? And I, I was like, there's like tears coming out of my eyes. And I just look at her and go, I just love college football so much. This just made my day. Like, and I, maybe maybe it is because I had those Bud Lights last night. But thank you so much, guys. This is this is really nice. It's not even my birthday. Please continue to send those in. We love the five-star reviews. We are uh, officially, I think we're, we're, offici- we're getting to Don't the point where we're on... We're, we're on okay terms with, with Jordan Rogers oh, yeah. after our Tom Hart interview. Yeah, okay. I think we're going to be willing to put our internet beef aside, let bygones be bygones. Tom, Tom played the role of peacemaker nice. in that. Nice so, move, Tom Hart. So if you, we will we will let you guys know when we want you to flood Jordan Rogers' mentions. But for now, we can, you know, we can just take a break. Just flood our mentions. Yeah, just flood ours. That's totally fine. Uh, make sure you're watching I, Facebook I love, Live. I love, I love flood mentions. 
<laughs> new Facebook Live time for Monday nights. 8.30. Correct? 8.30. Didn't okay. think this one through. Fiance is not <laughs> We've got Saturday morning still as well. Uncle Chris going to get you some money. Follow us on Instagram. You're killing the Instagram game still. I say that every week, but it is so true. At Saturday Down South. By the way, um, also make sure, uh, I, I know I probably don't promote like our, our, our content on on SaturdayNonSouth.com enough, but seriously, we're gonna yeah. have some really cool things this week. Um, shameless plug alert, I've got some very interesting stuff that's coming out uh, on Monday afternoon, Monday at noon, I believe, the next great Alabama quarterback battle. Oh my God. Oh, actually, no, this that. is actually, I'm pretty excited about this. We're, we're gonna talk, I, I got some, I got to talk to some really great people for this story. Uh, we're gonna talk a lot more about that on Wednesday. Make sure you're following you're us really on Twitter. <laughs> I appreciate of course, that. It means a lot. Uh, at the SDS pod, at C Marler SDS, at CJ O'Gara. We are moving on to week nine. Oh my gosh. That's Next time we play, it's Oh, and real quick, I know we already mentioned it, but let's say it again. If you are in Jacksonville, hit us up. I'll be down there giving away a bunch of free stuff. Also, we're doing some stuff at the Bud Light Tailgate. But if you are in Jacksonville, I've never been, I've always wanted to go. Um, that's one of those things where, like, my, uh, you know, my, my mind is telling me, is telling me no, but my liver is telling me yes, or maybe the other way around. I don't know. Either way, if you are in Jacksonville, please hit us up. Uh, we should be down there and should be having a great time. Thank you for listening. And, Coach O, what do we, what's the most important thing that we need to remember thank, as we get into the, the fall here? Thank you for being a friend. No, it might mean too much. Talk to you guys on Wednesday. <laughs>